It says that it says the Lord, referring to the Lord, he said, He's the most high, the possessor of the heavens and the earth. Exodus 9, verse 24, Moses is speaking, he says, The earth is the Lord's. Joshua 1 verse 3 says, God is the Lord of all the earth. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 11 said, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and power, the glory, the majesty, the splendor, far above anything in heavens and earth is Yours. You are exalted as head over all. Job 41 says, Everything under heaven belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's. Psalm 104 verse 24 says every beast of the field is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills are mine. Isaiah 66 says heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Haggai 2 said silver is mine and gold is mine says the Lord of hosts. Zechariah referring to the God to the Lord our God says the Lord of the whole wide earth. And 1 Corinthians 10 verse 26, Paul saying the earth is the Lord's. I think sometimes it's great to remember how big, how powerful, how marvelous, how in control God is. Because uh, I think sometimes as we go into our week, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, we can shrink our God down to what is going on in our lives and our circumstance and our situation all around us. But it is good to remember that He created the heavens and the earth. I love that thought. If He created the heavens and the earth and everything in the earth is His, maybe He can handle what's going on in your life tonight. Maybe He can handle what's going on in your situation. Maybe He can just take care of you in your life. And I'd love everyone here just to lift your hands in the place. And let's close our eyes. And let's pray. Father, Creator of the heavens and the earth, the all-powerful, almighty, everlasting God, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the one who forgives us of our sins and remembers them no more, separates them as far as the east is from the west, who sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross to take away our past, to give us a hope that we can smile at the future, that we can look at tomorrow without fear, that we can look with a faith-filled expectation that God, our best days are in front of us, that You've only just got going with what You want to do inside every single one of us. We thank You for this church, Father. We thank You for these pastors right here. We thank You, Lord, for what everyone is doing to see Your kingdom established here on earth as it is in heaven. Do your God thing tonight. We're here. We've turned up. People have sacrificed other things to be here tonight, Father. I pray that you look to that, Lord Jesus. And we know that your grace abounds. And if people think here tonight that there is no hope, that they cannot be forgiven, or whatever is going on, Lord Jesus, I pray that you do a work in their lives, Lord Jesus. If they were the only ones on this planet, that you would have sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice for them. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Why don't you give someone a high five or a Welsh hug or something like that?
have a, a Welsh fairy cake. I'm not really sure what they are. Beautiful. Well, it is so good to be with you and to be here in Wales. I love the fact that we just get to come over the bridge and just uh, come down this afternoon. We drove down. We actually were filming something with your pastor, uh, Dave, the, the, this afternoon about Hillsong Conference coming up. So he's going to be famous, uh, you know what I mean? And uh, we're going to send that to all the churches. He's just really encouraging them to come to Hillsong Conference to make the effort to say that it is a hugely valuable thing to do. So I really hope that you're thinking about it, you're praying about it, and you're looking, looking to come along. It would be great to have you at the O2 in July, and uh, it'd be awesome to have you there. And, and to be honest, um, I'm just going to throw this one out there, Mike. So this is Mike. Mike, if you stand up. So this is Mike. He works with me really close. Like He's kind of like my executive PA. This is what I'm going to say tonight. For anyone who's here, my wife will probably kill me because she organizes conference. But if you want to come to Hillsong Conference tonight, we'll give you a free rego. If you see Michael Whitewood after the service, and, um, and, and if you do the rest of that, then we'll cover the rego free fee tonight for you to come to Hillsong Conference. We'll bring it out of Mike's salary. I'm sure Mike and Bryony won't mind. They're generous couple and uh, amazing people. You know, tonight... Like always, I think as the pastor's, you know, pastor's job week in, week out is to encourage the people and really just to see your lives move forward. Tonight, I want to do the same. And tonight, I want to speak, start around the story of Jonah. Who loves the story of Jonah? Yeah. It's kind of a weird story. Let's be honest. I, I was reading it this week and I was thinking, I'm not sure if I've really read this that much since like Sunday school, or um, but back when I was in kids' church, or whatever you call it. But it's a funny story. It's an awesome story. I kind of think Jonah is a little bit like me and you. So why don't you just say to the person next to you, you remind me of Jonah. Awesome. That's great. Because, can I tell you why? Because Jonah starts out, Jonah chapter 1, the Jonah chapter 1, it's titled Jonah Runs from the Lord, okay, which is not a great start to the chapter already. He's kind of on the back foot as, as it starts. And I think in our lives, if we're honest a little bit, we would say there has been a little bit of running from God and a little bit of running to God in our lives in different circumstances and different situations. I think we could all say that to some point. But Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Verse 2, he says, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. So it's pretty awesome. He commissions Jonah on a mission to do something, to build something, to grow something, to go really as a mandate of the Lord, to go and do all that God has called us to do. See, I personally believe that that's what God has done to every single one of us. 
And I think we can read scriptures like this and we're like, that is so nice for Jonah. It is so nice for you. Bless you, Jonah. You're an idiot because we know how chapters 1, 2, and 3, and 4 go and all that kind of stuff. But we don't realize that actually God's got something for us. And I want to I wanna say to everyone here who is listening tonight that God has something for you. You are part of something. And I would go even further to say that God needs you. God has equipped you. God has gifted you. God has positioned you around the people. See, I firmly believe God positions you around the right people at the right time, at the right place. And I, um, I firmly believe that. And that's how I live life. Every day I wake up, because I, I sleep sitting up like this, but when I wake up, no, it's just too far to lie down. I'm getting too old. But every time I wake up, I have that firm belief that God doesn't bring people into your life by accident, even the ones you wish He did, you know what I mean, or, or would get rid of them by accident, or th- that have an accident. Anyway, you know, something like that. But, but God positions those people in your life, and He gives you a mission. And the theme of Hillsong Conference, I mean, of Hillsong, well, it is Hillsong Conference too, but the theme of Hillsong Church globally this year is this behind me. There is more. It's awesome. And we've been speaking about that over the last few weeks. It comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that thought. If we could look at that scripture. Here we go. It says, Now glory to God who was able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I, I don't think we even get close to getting our head around the Scripture, to, to be honest. I don't know about you, Dan. I don't know about John's. Where are they, you know? Or who knows? But, but the reality is if we got a grasp around the Scripture that God wants to do more through us, through His mighty power at work with us. It'd be amazing, I think. It'd be a difference the way we go about being youth pastors. It'd be, there'd be a difference in the way we are part of different teams and worship teams and hosting teams and Jesus Care teams and connect group teams and the way we build church and the way we go about our daily lives that if we realize that there is actually more for us. And I love in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, because you can think, oh God, it's nice that you've got more for me, but how do I actually do more? Well, in 1 Peter, um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of this marvelous glory and excellence. Then you go back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. And this is what it says. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resource, resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. How beautiful is that? Don't you love that? We have unlimited resources. He's given us everything that we need to do what he's called us to do. And I don't know about you, but the prayer for my life this year is that I would wake up every single morning with that in my spirit. That whatever the challenge in front of me, I'm like, God, we got this together. Because the inner strength you've got me, the resources that you've given me, the the untapped potential 
that we don't even understand and we don't even know is out there for us. I think God calls us just to step out and step out and step out as we do that. So that was God's kind of mandate to Jonah. So let's see what Jonah does. Okay. So verse 1, the Lord gave Jonah this message. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce the judgment against it because of blah, 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 how wicked the people are. <laughs> verse 3, I love it. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. Isn't that awesome? Jonah gets up after God gives him this message of like, you can do it and I've called you to do this thing. And he says he gets, God's like, you know, let's go this way. We're going this way. We're heading. And Jonah just turns around and runs as fast as he can all the way in the other direction, jumps on a boat to get away from the call of God. Who's never done that? <laughs> Who's never been scared <laughs> by what God has called us to do? And I think we should be a little bit scared in a good way. I think we should be a little bit in awe of, wow, God, you could do that. It's amazing what you could do. There should be a little bit of like, if we're just too comfortable, then maybe we just got to go to God and say, God, give me more. Give me more, God. I want to do more. I, I, I'm just thinking about it. Why? There's such, a, there's such a thing these days about like, you know, and I don't want to do too much and I've got this amazing like work-life balance kind of thing and all of that. Like I get all that and I get like all the management courses and I get all of that. I just don't know if anyone has changed the world with an awesome work-life balance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't think you get anything in life without sacrifice. I think the amount of success... And, and, and all that kind of stuff you can have is equal to the amount of sacrifice and actually what you put in. You reap what you sow. It's pressed down, it's shaken together. What you do comes back to you. And I feel like we're called as a people, as the church of Jesus Christ, to actually work hard, to actually serve hard, to actually put ourselves out there and just be used of God. God, use me. <laughs> and normally I say that about song three, you know what I mean? And <laughs> God, use me. I want to be used. Well, let's allow him to be used, to use us. So then Jonah runs in the opposite direction. And, and we know the story, don't we? Jonah, um, because of that, the storm comes up. The sailors are like, we think you're causing the storm. So we're going to throw you overboard. Is that okay? And he's like, well, I, I mean... Whatever. So they throw him overboard. Then a whale comes, swallows him up for three days. And he's in the belly of a whale. He does some time with God. I think you would in that kind of time. And then, and then verse 10 of chapter 2, the Lord orders the fish to spit Jonah onto the beach. Okay. So he spits him onto the beach. And then God starts again. Chapter 3. Here we go again. He's like, I'm looking at Angelo down there. He's like, then the Lord spoke to Jonah for a second time. And he said, get up and go to the city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. But this time, verse 3, he obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh. A city so large, hear this, that it took three days to walk across the city. Isn't that crazy? It took three days. I just came back from Israel last week with Pastor Brian Houston, Gary Clark, 
Pastor Ben, Houston. And uh, we walked from Nazareth to the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum. And it took about four days to do that. And I tell you what, it was, we were tired. It was a long walk. We were sore after two days. We kind of didn't want to walk anymore, but we kind of had to because they were filming for the Hillsong Channel and uh, all that kind of stuff. But we were walking, we were walking. So I can only imagine him walking for three days. What a massive city this must have been. And he walks around it. And then he preaches fire and brimstone and he preaches the word of God and Dan does seven songs and he does his thing. And the city, the whole city, all 120,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? They were, none of them were going in the, living the God way and they give their lives to Jesus and he changed the whole city by the power of God. The whole city got on their knees and gave their life to God and said, hey, how do we have to live our lives and all of this kind of stuff. And then verse 10, when God saw what he had done, because what God said right at the start is God said, if they don't change their ways, I'm going to just like, I'm going to like send down like fire on them. You know, I'm going to like do my thing. So verse 10 Thus saved. And when God saw what had done and how he'd put stop to the evil's ways, it said he changed their mind and he did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. So God's like, this is awesome. These people are incredible. Jonah chapter 4. See, I want to stop right there. Because Jonah chapter 1, 2, 3 shows us what Jonah did. Jonah ran from God. Jonah ran to God. Then Jonah ran with God. That's what kind of happens. Jonah chapter 1. But, but Jonah chapter 4 tells us how Jonah actually thinks which I actually think is more important, really. You get to hear the mind of Jonah and actually find out what's going on the inside. Because I want to propose to you tonight, when we say there is more, of course there's more for your life. But if there's more for your life, I think it starts with the inside of your heart and your spirit. I think it starts here. It starts on the inside. There's more. Because guess what? There's only more of what's there. So my question is, what's there? How's your spirit? What's your attitude towards people? What's your heart for church? What's your heart to serve the poor? What's your heart to serve in church? What's your heart to connect with people and to be planted in the house of God and to contribute to see the house of God move forward? So Jonah, I love it, verse chapter 4, verse 1, the, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah. Isn't that awesome? And he became very angry. Uh-oh. So we know what's going on in Jonah's life now. He be- the change of plans upset Jonah. He became very angry, and he complained to the Lord. This is what he said. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this? That's why I ran away from you. I knew that you would. This, check this out. I knew you, you, I knew you would be merciful. I'm so ticked off with you. I'm so angry, God. I knew you'd be merciful. I knew you'd be slow to anger, and I knew you'd change your flipping mind and save these people. <laughs> and he's all angry, and he's freaking out because God is being compassionate. Isn't that crazy? Just, he just sounds whiny. Who would want a friend like that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want someone who's moany and whiny and all that kind of stuff. But, but what's amazing, it kind of shows 
that he's got a relationship with God, doesn't he? Because they talk with each other. And then he says, just kill me now. I would rather be dead than alive <laughs> if that what I predicted would happen. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then it says, Jonah went to the east of the city. He made a shelter and he waited to see what would happen to the city. And this is what happens. So Jonah's in a dark place. He's in a, he's in a hard place. And this is what it says. Verse 6, And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to go, to grow, and to soon spread its leaves over Jonah's head and shade him from the sun. Isn't that awesome? That even in Jonah's like dark, moany, like crying kind of place to God, complaining to God, he says that God allows a bush, a leafy plant to grow to shade him. But then a few verses later, Verse 7, but then God arranged for a worm to come and eat the plant and for there to be no shade on his head. Isn't it amazing that God can create the shade and the comfort and that God can also send the worm? And I want us to think about that in this moment because I was, I was, I was thinking about this, I was studying about this, and I heard something that T.D. Jake said in this moment as he, you know, he was just thinking about Jonah and all this kind of stuff. And I want to think about this for your life in relation to, you know, that hard thing in your life right now, that situation that you feel like you can't change, that's never going to change, that person, that circumstance, that job you're believing for, that relationship that you want mended, those finances that you want to see move forward, that career that you want to see take off and move forward, but it's not. And what he said about this situation is incredible. He goes, Jonah thought his mission was to change Nineveh, but maybe, just maybe, Nineveh's mission was to change Jonah. Isn't that incredible? He thought his mission was to go out there and be the hero pastor and save the day and do the thing. And, you know, I'm going to do all these works and do all these amazing things. But actually, maybe, maybe, maybe Nineveh was there to change the inside of Jonah. I wonder right now what needs to change on the inside of you. I wonder what now you're butting up against and you're like, if only that would change. If only they would change. If only that situation would change. If only that would turn around. But maybe God's saying, maybe I want you to change. And when you change, maybe it will change. And I think as, as humans, and I've been alive for 41 years, so I'm getting on, on the planet. You know what I mean? I've been around for a bit. My problem, Chris Mickelson's problem in life is, is I want everyone else to change. I want every other person who doesn't treat me well to change. I want every circumstance to change. I want everyone and everything to change. So guess what? I can just do my thing. But God doesn't work like that. We come up against things. And I think we're called to look on the inside of us and actually go, you know what? Maybe there is more. There is more. There is more. I believe there is more. But maybe right now we've got to start with where we're at internally. What attitudes do we need to change? What, what opinions of other people do we need to change? What views 
is God calling us to change. And if we're not careful, I just don't want to be a person that for the next 30, 40 years just gets meaner and older and grumpier and more cynical. I believe as we get older, we should get nicer. We should get more generous. We should smile more. We should be more friendly. We should be more caring. We should be more merciful. We should be more loving. And I don't know about you, but I don't see it lots and lots in the world. I see people get hurt and they're like, I'm never going to get hurt again. So I'm never going to let anyone in. That's never going to happen to me again. And you know what we do? We bring down our level of faith down to where our experience is. And we're like, I ain't trying that again. And could, but you know what we're called to do? We're called to be dreamers. We're called to be people that are full of faith. We're called to be people that lift our experience up to our level of faith, not drag God down to where we're at. And if we can just be people, I believe that can wake up every day. If this church can be the church that keeps the vision in front of you, keeps the future bright, keeps moving forward, keeps saying, you know what? This week is going to be our greatest week. This Sunday could be the greatest Sunday that we've ever had. In Guildford, for the next two Sundays, we're in this hotel, which for us does not hold many people compared to where we normally have. It's probably the ugliest thing we could ever go in. It's got horrible lighting. We can't do anything with the stage. It's like smelly, and it's like there's blue lights. It's just, it's the worst thing in me. And everything in me is the pastor is like, I don't even want to go to church for the next two weeks. You know what I mean? I just want to just... Just hope that they go away and then we'll continue on afterwards. But I feel like God's challenging me to go, no, 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 Chris. These could be the two greatest Sundays that we've ever had. Who am I to limit God by what I think and what I believe and what I think is possible? Who am I to limit God on what's happened another 10 times before instead of this Sunday, this week? See, I want to be that type of person. That when I wake up tomorrow, Friday morning, way better than Monday morning, Friday morning, that who knows what could happen Friday morning. Friday morning could be your breakthrough. Friday could be that day that you've been believing for, for things to change. Because I think life would change if we take responsibility and start changing ourselves first. And we step into that different. And we continue to move forward. And I love that with Jonah. I love that he did that. I love that he, you know, at the end of the day, he's there and he's, he's all upset about that. But he's actually taken a look on the inside of what is going on. There is more. But more of what? The reality is there's more of what you already have. There's more of what already is going on. There's more of what's before us. My keyboardist can come up wherever you are. There you go. Thank you. Because I believe that's how God God works. Because what's God going to give you more of? He's going to give you more of what you have. He's going to give you more of what is in your hand. He's going to give you more of what you are doing. Because God is the God of the miraculous 
And he blesses the human element of what we do. It's just how he works. But if we're doing nothing, what's there to bless? He wants to bless more of who we are and what we're doing and what we're part of. And I love this because in Exodus chapter, where is it? Exodus chapter 4. It's such an awesome story because I think for every single person here, whether you be in Wales or whether you be in Sweden, where I'm going to be in a few weeks, or in London or wherever it is, we all have something that's going on right now. We all have something that we can offer God. We all have something that we're doing. Like I look down here and I see our youth pastors. And I see the the hundreds of youth that they are responsible for and that they have in their hand. Probably, if you add it all together, three, four hundred people when it comes to the families and the people involved. These guys right here. What do they have in their hand? The most precious thing that God has. People's lives. People's eternities. I know when it comes to teenagers, I think it's, you know, getting through those teenage years, I don't, I would give anything not to go through them again, but they are amazing. Okay, bless you. Um, you know what I mean? And, and we believe that you will go through them and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But the fact is, what's in your hand? I believe it's people's destinies. It's people's futures. Our, our worship team get to lead people into the presence of God. People in their workplace get to show what a normal Christian looks like. Gosh, well, wouldn't that be a miracle? You know what I mean? A normal Christian. <laughs> and then God looks at Moses. See, the amazing thing about Moses' life, it's quite awesome actually. The first 40 years of Moses' life is he was in Egypt. Yeah? The second 40 years of Moses' life is he is in the desert being a shepherd. So he's kind of been like at the top of the pile. The shepherds were right at the bottom of the pile and his staff represented failure really to him, didn't it? His staff represented everything that he wasn't. Because he was, he used to eat dinner and snacks with the king. You know what I mean? Like he used to like drink the good wine. You know, he used to hang out with the cool kids. He used to go to the premieres of the place. You know, he used to do all that kind of stuff, had the best stuff, lived in the best house. Now he's in the desert being a shepherd, the lowest of the low of the low of the low. And just to remind him how much of a failure he was, he had a staff. I don't know what in your life reminds you that you're a failure. I don't know what it is. I kind of feel like we all have something <laughs> that kind of reminds us daily. Thank you. <laughs> it reminds us what we're failing. And what, what's so beautiful about this question is that God's saying that He wants to do more through Moses, that they could do more, be more, achieve more. And He looks at Moses and in verse 2, He says to Moses, I can use you and all this kind of stuff. And then the Lord asked Moses, what is in your hand? And Moses goes, it's a staff. You know, like, it's, I'm a failure, God. Like, I am an absolute loser who can't do much. Nothing's happened. I'm like, at that point, he's 80 years of age. And he's like, oh, really? Wow. God goes, what's in your hand? And he says, a staff. God then says, throw it on the ground. And it turns into a serpent. 
and it's like, wow, this is, this is incredible. He picks it up, turns back into a stuff. You know, as the story of Moses goes on, he does 43 different miracles. He leads, the, he leads 3 million people out of Egypt to the border of the promised land. He's an incredible leader. He's done amazing things. All of this stuff. And God called him and God used him and he used him with what was in his hands. See, in verse 20, the worship team can come up. Verse 20, I love it. It said, So Moses took his wife and his sons and he put them on his donkey and he headed back to the land of Egypt. And, and I tell you what, it's not a staff anymore, is it? And in his hand, he carried the staff of God. Isn't that incredible? It changed from just oh, just a shepherd's staff that represents everything I'm not to actually the staff of God, to the miracle working power of God. And that is the beauty of God. That is the beauty of who God is, that He will use your weakness. The very thing you don't like about yourself, the very thing you've been trying to change, the very thing you think you're not, God will use it. It says that God takes the foolish things of the world takes the thing that the world look and go, those lot of people? <laughs> Can't do anything with them. They don't have this, 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 this. And God's like, awesome. We've been written off. <laughs> Let me show you what I can do. The power of God through my people. And, you know, I've just come to realize that, that as you get older and you start to realize, see, when I was younger, People used to tell me on my school reports that I like talk too much, that I'm a little bit like crazy. I, I can't focus on things. I change too much. I mean, people still tell me that. But, you know, just all this stuff, all this stuff. I'm going to, do you know what I'm starting to realize? That's actually the coolest stuff about me. I'm a nutter. I like to change things. I like to talk too much. I can't sit still. All of this kind of stuff. The stuff I tried to like be, I was embarrassed for for about 40 years. I've now realized maybe God doesn't make mistakes. Maybe He created me that way and everything I've looked down on, now that He positions me, I don't position me. He positions me in the right place at the right time with the right people. Because I tell you what, if we did a survey, I don't think I'd be the most eligible person to be a pastor, you know, and doing what I'm doing and all that kind of stuff. But God is an awesome God. God is a gracious God. God is a good God. And you know all we have to do, and I want to encourage you here tonight in Wales, because I love the fact that when we read the history books, the Welsh revivals and all the stuff that shook the actually four corners of the world, started with a few people. And I just look out and every single Sunday I do it, every single forum and we had a bit of a meeting in the room before there was about 12 of us in that room. I'm looking around going, we could change the world if we just believe. See, it's not how awesome you are. It's not about how many resources you've got. It's not about everything you think you can do. It's just being available. And I want to stir up that availability and that honesty and that God, do you really know what you're doing inside of every single person? Because I think all we're looking for is one or two. 
But imagine if there was three or four and it moved into the tens and the twenties and the, and the hundreds. And the youth got this in their spirit. And the leaders got there in the spirit. And the more experienced people in our service with less hair got involved in this as well. Every single one of us. Imagine what God could do with you. Yes, with you. I feel like there's people here tonight that have written themselves off. I don't know why. Because of what you've done, maybe. Because of what you don't have. And you look and you go, oh, it's, it's easy for that person. It's easy for the pastors. It's easy for this. It's easy for that. No, it's not. I believe God is not a respecter of people. It means He does not have favourites. I just think it's how much you are up for it. How willing are you? We sing that song, So Will I. Do we actually believe that on the inside? I pray that you do. You could change a nation. You could change a country if we truly believe that. And I want us to stand to our feet here right now as I want to pray a prayer of there is more over your life and over your future and over your family. And if some people here just started believing that tonight, that self-belief where God walks around to Gideon and He says, mighty hero, God is with you. Come on and we lift our hands. Then we're going to sing this evening. Father, we come before You now, Lord Jesus. And we thank You, Father. We thank You for everything You've put in us, Lord Jesus. We thank You for every bit of talent, every bit of gifting, every bit of weird personality, every little quirk and everything we've disqualified ourselves with. Father, You've put it there on purpose, Lord Jesus. You make no mistakes. You position us, Lord, at the right time and the right place with the right people. And I pray that we would believe that tonight, that that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is here tonight. It's in people's hearts. It's in people's lives. And I pray that as we sing here tonight, that there would be a shift in people's attitudes and lean in and willingness to lay their lives down, Jesus, to see Your Kingdom established. In Your mighty name, Amen. Amen.